Well, good morning and happy Easter. Uh, I agree, you guys look great. I mean, you guys really made it this morning. This is awesome. So welcome to Northridge. So, silence. Except for feet. <laughs> silence. Silence is interesting, isn't it? Sometimes we long for silence. Uh, before I was a pastor, I was a public school teacher. I taught history and coached soccer in a large public school in North Carolina, and I would try to get to my classroom an hour early before all the other students arrived, and the main reason I would do that is because I wanted to have an hour of silence before the craziness of the day, and all the students arrived, and all the excitement and energy that would come in the room, which was awesome, but I wanted that hour of silence to prepare for the lessons of the coming day before I taught the lessons of that day. When uh, our kids were younger, Laura and I would put the, the kids to bed and sometimes, we wouldn't do this all the time, but sometimes we would just sit down on the couch in silence before we turned on the TV or before we, you know, review, reviewed our day. We'd just sit there in silence and just enjoy it. Parents in the room, anybody with me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get, a, get an amen on that one, right? Some of you are still there. Now our kids, like, they go to bed after us, so that's long gone. Silence is something that we long for, isn't it? But let's be honest, sometimes silence is not something that we really like. It's not something that we want at all. It's kind of weird. It's almost like we don't like it. If I just stopped talking and stood in here in front of you, just silence, and a moment ago I did, and that was awkward, wasn't it? In fact, I took a picture of this sign. Uh, my wife, Laura, she put this sign in our laundry room, and it's so true, although not as much. It was more when our kids were younger. But the sign says this. It says, silence is golden. Unless you have kids, then silence is just suspicious. Isn't that true? Yeah, have you ever had like f friends over, like adults, and you're hanging out and you're talking and all the little kids are playing, and then all of a sudden you're talking, but everybody stops talking because all of a sudden you realize for a few minutes it's been silent. And what does that bring to you? I know what it does. Fear. Because you know one of two things is going on. They found devices that they weren't supposed to find and they're staring at their screens or they're in trouble somewhere. And they don't want you to know. That's why they're being quiet. Silence is one of those things that sometimes we want and sometimes we don't. Well, welcome to Northridge. Happy Easter to you. He is risen. Amen. Jesus is resurrected, and we are here to celebrate that, and we're so glad that you're here. Whether you're in the room or some of you are watching online, we're just glad that you jumped in, that you joined with us, that you dressed up, right, and you did this. We are ready to go, and we want you to know this is really important. This is a safe place for the questions that you have about God, about Jesus, about the Bible. You have questions. I know you do, because I still have questions. I've been doing this for a while. We all have questions, and this is a safe place for you to ask those questions that you have and be honest about those. We invite those questions. We want you to ask those questions. 
Those questions are important. So we're so glad that you're here, no matter where you are in your journey with Jesus. And so, silence. Now, this last week was Holy Week. And so maybe on Thursday, you celebrated the Last Supper and the disciples in communion on Monday, Thursday. Maybe on Friday, you celebrated Good Friday. Maybe you even went to a Good Friday service. But you thought about Jesus' death on the cross, which happened on Friday. So we celebrated Good Friday. And then look around today. We are here. We even have flowers and we have the cross and we have all this extra stuff. We are here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And so we celebrate on Sunday. But let me just ask you this question. How did you celebrate Jesus yesterday? Ooh, Holy Saturday. Anybody ever called it that? I haven't. We celebrate Thursday, we celebrate Friday, and we get ready for Easter on Sunday. But Saturday, you know what I did yesterday? I did yard work. Mmm, that's a way to celebrate Holy Week. Right? What did you do on Saturday, yesterday? My guess is you probably didn't do much to celebrate. It was a normal day. It was a normal day for me. Why is that? Why do we celebrate Thursday and Friday and then we celebrate big on Easter Sunday, but on Saturday we don't do anything? You know why? Because Saturday was the day that Jesus was in the grave. It was silent. Nothing happened. Nothing was good on Saturday. Jesus was dead. Everybody was in shock because they'd put their hope and trust in this Jesus and he claimed these big things and then he allowed the Romans and the Jewish leaders to crucify him. And so Saturday was silence and we don't like silence, not when we're supposed to be celebrating. And so we don't celebrate Saturday, but today It's going to be weird, but we're going to talk about Saturday today. Even though it's Easter Sunday, I want to talk about Saturday because the reason we're here to celebrate on Sunday is because we don't like what happened on Saturday. It's a contrast, isn't it? And so what I want to do is we don't get hardly anything in the Bible on Saturday. Basically, the only thing we hear about that happens on Saturday is that the Jewish leaders go to the Romans and they say, hey, Jesus kind of, he made this claim that he was going to raise from the dead or something like that. And uh, we don't want anybody perpetrating that story. And so we think we should probably put guards outside the, the grave. That was the only thing we hear about the Bible on Saturday. That's the only thing. Everything else is just silent. And so, in order to understand how the disciples and how the Mary and some of the other people felt on Saturday, I want to take us forward to Easter Sunday before everybody knew that Jesus was resurrected. Now, after He's resurrected, of course, woo, it's a party, right? We've got full band, like, let's go, it's loud, the speakers are kicking. But before that, it's silent. And so I want to take us to John chapter 20. If you have your own Bibles, or if you like to follow along on your Bible app, we'll put it on the screens like we always do. But if you want to follow along, we're going to be in John chapter 20 today. One chapter in the book of John. So I'm going to give you three words today. Three words 
that tell us how the people on Saturday felt. So let's start with the first one. The first one is the disciples, the 12 disciples of Jesus. So let's jump in. John chapter 20. This is before they find out, before they really know that Jesus is risen from the dead. All right? John chapter 20, starting with verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. Why are they behind locked doors? Because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. See, understand the disciples were scared that what happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. They were intensely afraid. Lots of fear there. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father, as God, has sent me, so I am sending you. So the truth is that the disciples, what did they feel as a result of the silence of Saturday? They felt fear. Right? They were scared. They were worried about what was going to happen to them. Saturday, fear ruled the day. And even for the disciples, it ruled the day into Sunday because they had not seen Jesus yet. They were scared. Because they were worried what was going to happen, what happened to Jesus so happened to them. I remember uh, when Laura and I, uh, a few years ago, we went down to visit my brother, my younger brother. Uh, that's important to know. He's my younger brother, right? You always have to make sure that that's clear. Went down to visit my younger brother and his wife and their kids. And we spent, you know, a few days with them. And one of the days, we decided to take a boat out on a large lake down in South Carolina. And on this particular lake, my brother knew about this huge rock that was 20 to 30 feet above the water's surface on the edge of the lake. So you know what you do with rocks like that on the edge of the lake, right? It's obvious. It's just inviting you to jump off of it, right? And so we took the boat over there. We anchored the boat, and we had to jump in because there was nowhere to, you know, anchor the boat. And so we anchored the boat. We jumped in. We swam over to the shore. You had to climb up on, like, these tree roots and all that stuff. And let me just tell you this at least from my perspective. As we pulled up in the boat and I looked at that rock, I was like, yeah, that's not too bad. You know where this is going, right? I was like, yeah, that's not too bad. I mean, it's a pretty big rock. 20, 30 feet's no joke, right? But, but it's not too bad. And then, let me just say that when I got to the top of the rock, things looked a little different. I was like, yeah, that's a bigger rock than I thought. And my brother, my younger brother, being the type of person that he is, he's kind of the daredevil in the family. He's the one that's been to the emergency room at least 27 times in his life. I might be slightly exaggerating, but I'm not much. I kid you not, when we moved to Rapid City, South Dakota, they knew our family by name, and they would simply ask, what did Bryce do this time? I kid you not, that's a true story. And so Bryce just lives that way. And so we got up there with our kids. Our youngest two kids stayed in the boat. But the other four kids climbed up on the rock with us because they were going to consider jumping. Right? But my brother gets them up there and we're like, okay, guys, you're going to do this? Okay. And then without warning, Bryce, true form Bryce, just runs and leaps off and hits the water just like, Wah! you know, didn't even, didn't even look where he was going. 
So me, it took me a little longer. Let's just say that. I had to go to the edge, check it out a little bit. That's a long ways down. All right. In my mind, I was thinking, I'm going to run, and I'm going to slip on the rock. I'm going to hit my head on the way down. And that, that's, how, that's how I live my life, in caution and fear. My brother's a little different. And so he runs and he jumps, and I'm sitting up there. My fear is going wild. Eventually, I jumped, and you know what? It was awesome. It was like a free fall for two seconds, and then when you go way underneath the water and come back up, it was amazing. I, we climbed up. I did it again. But fear holds us back from things that we can do or that we should do. What kind of fear do you have in your faith these days? Are you afraid to talk to people in our culture about Jesus because it's politically incorrect? It might be offensive. Are you, are you afraid of that? Has this culture pushed you into a box of fear and keeping Jesus off the radar because we don't want to offend anybody? Are you scared of that? Maybe you're fearful that, that, that God is not who He says He is. Maybe something, maybe you're scared of that. Maybe do you fear asking questions? I just mentioned this is a safe place, but can I be honest with you? The vast majority of people never ask us questions. I know you have them, but the majority of people don't ask us questions. You know why I think that might be? For a lot of us, I think we don't like to ask questions. You know why I don't ask questions? Because then that shows the person I don't know something. And I don't like to look that way, especially as a teacher. I'm not a big fan. You know what one of the most powerful answers a teacher or anybody else can give? I don't know. You know why? Because that's humility. And we can get to the answer together. I'm just saying, don't be scared of questions that you have. It's okay to have questions. You should. Do you fear that God is maybe not real? See, the silence of Saturday brings fear, doesn't it? It brought fear. But I'm here to tell you today that today is not Saturday. Today is not Saturday. Let me take you to the next person. So those are the disciples. They were living in fear, right? But the next person... His name is Thomas. He's one of the 12 disciples. He was not in the room when Jesus appeared the first time. And so Jesus appears to them a second time. And I want to read for you the account of what it says about Thomas when Jesus came back into the room the second time. Listen to this. John 20, starting with verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, there's a name for you if you were wondering about one. Didymus. One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. 
Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, catch this, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. And then listen to what Jesus says. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. See, for Thomas and for so many of us, the silence of Saturday also brings beyond fear, it brings doubt. Doesn't it? Doubt is one of those things that we have to deal with all the time. So let me give you another water story. So when my kids were younger, when they were learning how to swim, uh, we'd go to, you know, different swimming pools and things like that, and, and I would get my kids, I'm sure some of you would do this, and I'd get my kids to stand on the edge of the pool, and then I would get in the water, and I would be in the, in the kind of the deep water, and I'd say, okay, now I want you to jump into the water, into my arms, I'll catch you, right? Now for a three, four, five-year-old, that's kind of a scary proposition, like that's a big jump, you know, it's almost a foot down into the water. It's nothing like the rock that I was saying earlier, but for a three-year-old, like, this is a big deal. And so my kids would stand there because my kids are somewhat like me in that whole cautious thing, right? Checking it out and being like, "Mm, I don't know, dad's a weakling, (laughs) you know? I don't know what they were thinking, but I knew know what they did. They would stand there, and I'd have to coax them. I'd be like, no, seriously, jump in. And they'd be like, ah, and then they'd step back. Have you ever seen this? And then they'd be like, uh, and then, then they'd try to go, but their brain would say, no, don't do it. Dad's an idiot. <laughs> right? Or whatever. And they're like, uh, and eventually what would they do? Their doubt would give in to belief and they would trust me enough to jump, take a step and jump into my arms and I would catch them and then I would splash them in the water and then they would giggle. And you know what we did for the next three hours? That's what we did. Because all of a sudden, oh, what do you know? You loved it. We just had to get over your doubt. I wonder how often we do that with Jesus, with God. We cycle through doubt. Because eventually what I would do with my kids is once they got that down, you know what I would do? I would step back into the pool a couple of steps and I'd say, now I want you to jump into the water. You're going to go under, but then I'm going to pop you right back up. It's going to be awesome. And you know what they would do? Same thing, same rigmarole. They were like, oh, Dad, are you going to be right there? You're not going to move, are you? I'm not going to move. Yes, I'm totally evil. I'm just going to let you jump in and be like, ha, ha, ha. Wow, that was awesome, wasn't it? No, we have to get past our doubt so that we can believe that what Dad is saying, I'm going to catch you, the water's going to be fine, that we have to get past our doubt that God says who He is. So the question I have for you is, what doubts are you dealing with today? Seriously. You have doubts. It's okay. I have doubts. Maybe you doubt God's goodness because you see what's happening in the world. 
understandable. Maybe you doubt God's goodness because of things that have happened to you in your life. Maybe a long time ago, maybe recently, maybe this week. Maybe do you doubt God's power because it seems like God has been silent in your life. Maybe you doubt God's existence because a professor or several professors in college told you that God, we've moved on in our culture. We now know that God was created by humans. God didn't create human beings. Maybe somebody told you that or you read a book once. Or a friend told you that God can't exist, that that was a human construct. I know I'm digging in here this morning, everybody, but the truth is we're here to believe and glorify and worship God who raised Jesus from the dead. But do we believe or do we have doubts? Now, let me just say, if you have doubts here today, if you're sitting here kind of like, meh, I'm a little uncomfortable with where you're going this morning. I thought this was going to be like, we say He has risen a few times, He has risen indeed, and we go home and have like Easter bunny cake and stuff. That's cool. But here's the truth. If you are here this morning and you have doubts, that's okay. Seriously, it is. It's okay. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have questions. I mentioned that before. In fact, if you have questions, just the main thing is don't wait to ask those questions. Don't leave them alone. Ask them. In fact, we're going to help you with that. So I want to just tell you, this is, I mean, I'm really excited about this, although it's going to be one of the hardest things that we've ever done. But we're going to go into a new series. It's going to start next week. We have a lot of things going on next week. I think next week is a really big week. All right, so next week we're going to start a brand new series, and it's very simply called FAQ. You guys know what that stands for, right? Frequently Asked Questions. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually tackle some of those big questions, the doubts that you have. For example, let me give you some examples of some questions that we're going to answer. If God is so good... Why is there suffering in the world? Have you ever wondered that? Has anybody ever asked you that? I bet they have. We're going to talk about that. Have you ever wondered this question? If God knows everything, why should we pray? Because He already knows what I'm going to pray. So why would I pray? Why, why would I tell God what I need? Why would I tell God and ask God what I want? Or why would I give praise to God if God already knows what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and what I'm going to say and what I did say and what I said 12 years ago and what I'm going to say 27 years in the future? Why would I pray? What's the point of praying? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever thought about that? Some of you are like, no, but now I am thinking about that. <laughs> That's why this series is going to be a little tough. You're going to be like, I've never thought about that question. Now I am. We're going to tackle some hard questions. Have you ever wondered where the Bible comes from, why it's important, what, what in the world is it trying to communicate and say overall? Have you ever wondered that? Has anybody ever asked you that? I'll bet they have. We're going to talk about that in this next series. Have you ever wondered, um, does, are science and God enemies? Have you ever wondered that? Does, does science disprove God or does God disprove science? 
We're going to talk about that, about that. You can tell this is going to be a light and airy series. I would say this is kind of heavy hitting. But we're going to get into that. Why? Because the only problem with doubt is not that you have it. It's that you never engage with it and try to solve it. Doubt is like a tunnel. It has two ends. You can either run away from faith out of doubt, or you can go toward faith out of doubt. But what you can't do is live in darkness in your life, and that's all that doubt is. Doubt is darkness. Doubt is just not knowing and hoping that that one friend in college that said God doesn't exist, that he or she was right. Don't stay in the middle of the tunnel. Walk out. Whichever direction you go, move out of your doubt. So for people, the silence of Saturday was kind of brought doubt. But then there's one more person. Her name is Mary, Mary Magdalene. And she had fear and she had doubt, but she also had something that really was illustrated on Sunday morning that she had been feeling all the way since Friday when he was crucified, all the way through the silence of Saturday and the silence of Sunday morning. I want to read for you what happened to Mary in that Sunday morning. John chapter 20, I'm going back to the verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Skipping down to verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She thought they had stolen his body. That's what she thought at this point. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? Jesus thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away... Tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Something switched, but did you notice before Jesus, before she heard her name, Mary, Jesus said Mary, and immediately Mary knew, this is Jesus, and everything changed. But before that happened, did you notice that she was in distress? In fact, she was feeling this last word, which I would call defeat. In fact, Mary was so defeated, so grief-stricken, so at a loss in this moment, that she didn't recognize Jesus, somebody that she knew really, really well. She thought he was a gardener. She's, she didn't recognize him. Why? Because she was in such defeated mode in that moment. Because let's be honest, silence can be one of the most defeating things in our life. So I don't like to talk about this, but 
The first time I walked into my parents' house after my dad passed from pancreatic cancer by myself, the silence in the house was overwhelming. It was intense. It was heavy. I felt defeated. The silence was awful. Have you ever experienced that kind of silence? That was probably my first time experiencing that kind of silence. See, the silence of Saturday is defeating. And my question to you before we get to the end here is this. How are you feeling today? Are you defeated? Because the truth is, we can dress up on the outside for Easter, right? We like our, our pastel colors and our Easter colors. But the truth is, is it true that inside, if people really knew, you actually feel defeated? Are you smiling on the outside, but crying on the end? See, Jesus came so that He could bring us something different. Maybe you feel like you're losing at life more than you're winning these days. I talk to a lot of people that feel that way, but nobody else knows. Maybe you feel like you're getting defeated lately. Maybe you even feel today that you are unloved or unlovable. Maybe somebody told you that you are unlovable and unworthy, and you believe it. You know what Jesus did? Jesus came so that we do not have to live in defeat. This is why we're here today. Because, let me just tell you again, if you didn't figure it out already, today is not Saturday. Today is Sunday. And we are not here to celebrate Saturday. We are here to celebrate Sunday and what happened on Sunday. And what happened on Easter Sunday about 2,000 years ago? Well, let me read for you what the angel declared a couple of thousand years ago in the book of Matthew, chapter 28. He says this, The angel said, Do not be afraid. There's no fear. For I know that you are looking for Jesus. Doubt, who was crucified, he is not here, he has risen, no more defeat, just as he said. Jesus is risen, he resurrected from the dead, he resurrected from the grave. Sunday changed everything. He changed all of these things. In fact, let me walk through this because I don't know about you, but let, if I just walked off the stage now and I just left these words, you'd be like, well, that was a downer. Glad we showed up to Northridge for Easter. Wah, wah. But let's be honest, Jesus died and He rose from the grave so that we don't have to live in these words. Amen? He resurrected from the grave so that we have all of these words can go away. And let me just talk about this, how this works. The resurrection changes everything. 
The resurrection changes fear to something else, to courage. It gives you the ability to now jump off the rock, to jump into the water, to live in faith, to live in light, to live in the light and the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus did not resurrect from the grave, then he's a liar and a cheat and nobody should follow him. But what is not actually true is that he is not, he's not dead. He is alive. Why? Because he defeated fear in your life. You don't have to be afraid. Just because your culture says you shouldn't talk about Jesus, you're going to listen to your culture over a guy who resurrected from the grave? No way! Jesus rose from the grave to defeat fear and give us courage. Now, let me just say that this did this to the disciples. You know what the disciples did? Remember where we found them on Sunday evening before they knew Jesus has resurrected? Twelve disciples, the disciples of Jesus, they learned from Him. They saw Him do all the miracles. What were the disciples doing? They were hiding together in a locked room. They were stuck. They were scared. They were huddled together. But you know what they did from now on? We know this from history. They went out and they would proclaim the good news of Jesus to the rest of the world boldly, courageously. In fact, almost all of them except John would die for their faith. What gave them amazing courage? The resurrection of Jesus changed everything. And it can change you too. But that's not all. The resurrection changes our doubt To trust, to faith. You have to walk in it, you have to move in it, but it changes your doubt to belief, to trust, to faith. Thomas doubted, but you know what he did in the rest of his life? The Bible doesn't tell us, but history tells us what we think he did. We know he proclaimed the good news of Jesus faithfully, boldly, courageously, but we don't know exactly where, but history has, has a little bit of a trail and we've tracked St. Thomas, we think, all the way to India. We believe that he traveled all the way, doubting Thomas. Have you ever heard that? Don't be a doubting Thomas. Well, Thomas wasn't a doubter anymore. He believed. He trusted Jesus. Why? Because of the resurrection. But then the biggest thing that Jesus does, does with the resurrection is this. He changes our defeat to something else. What does He change it to? He changes it to hope. You and I have hope because Jesus resurrected from the grave. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live with doubt. And you don't have to live in defeat. Because Jesus resurrected from the grave, we have hope. We can live in the freedom and in the light and in the power of the resurrection of Jesus. This is why we come and we celebrate Easter. Without that, we have really nothing. So here today, I'm here to say Sunday changes everything. And it can change you too. The question is, do you want to be changed? Do you? Do you want to allow Jesus, the resurrection and the power of Jesus to change you? See, Jesus is ready for you. 
He's alive. He's ready. He's got his, he's kind of like, uh, this is maybe weird to think, but he's the one in the pool, right? Jesus is like, he's in the pool. He's saying, no, 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 jump. Like, we're good. I already did. I already conquered all this, the water, the people, your culture. They're not going to hurt you. Jump in. Let's go. I got this. I already died. I already resurrected. Everything's done. It is finished. It's done. Just jump. And my question is, are you going to be like me in the first story in the rock or like my kids at the edge of the swimming pool? Doubting. Not sure. Or will you leap and feel the incredible freedom and joy of being free from your sin? See, Jesus is ready for you. The resurrection changes everything. And the biggest question I have for you today is this. Will you believe in Jesus? Will you believe? Will you trust Him? Will you put your hope and your faith in Him? Will you believe Him? Because He believes you. He loves you. He died on the cross for you. And he defeated death for you. So you don't have to live in the negative words. You can live in the power of these amazing, powerful words. But will you believe? All you have to do is believe. The Bible's clear. So will you believe in Jesus? He changed everything. And if you let him, he can change you too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the silence of Saturday was hard. It's difficult for us to deal with silence, to deal with death, to deal with loss. But today, God, there are so many people in the room, some, of the, uh, some people that are joining online, they're watching online. God, I pray that if there's anybody in the room who has never chosen to put their trust, their belief in you, I pray that they would do that here today. They would simply say to you, Jesus, maybe out loud, maybe just in their heart and in their head, but I would say that they would say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead for me. Today, Jesus, I believe in you. I choose to follow you. Because Saturday ended in silence. But Sunday changed everything. It changed our fear to courage and our doubt to trust and our defeat to hope. And now we can live in the resurrection and the power that you have offered to us. 
So help us today on Easter to celebrate and give you praise and glory and honor because Sunday changed everything and it can change every one of us. Help us to believe it. We pray this and ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.